Good evening and happy Thanksgiving. Please open your Bibles to tonight's text. It's going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. If you have it, if not, it should be up here. Verse 28. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and the age to come, eternal life. Let's pray once more. Father, thank you for your innumerable blessings you've poured out on us. We especially thank you for the freedom to gather and worship you boldly. Please soften our hearts to receive your word with humility and with eagerness to see it bear fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you might pick it up because some of you guys have really good eyes. But I actually have a slight limp on my left side because I re-injured my sciatic nerve this past week. I don't know how I did it. I was sleeping, and that's how how all great injuries happen in bed somehow. Um... All I did Monday and Tuesday was lie around the house and moan like a sick dog, and my wife had to put up with me. Men are the worst when we're sick or injured. Uh, um, but my uh, chiropractor has got me operational. He popped me in ways I, I didn't know I could pop. There's got to be more than 200 bones in the human body because it was, it was disturbing. Uh, I originally injured my sciatic playing football, and I know that sounds kind of manly, uh, but trust me, in this case, it wasn't manly at all. Uh, it wasn't in college football or high school football. It was in a semi-contact flag football league that I, I joined. It's, we're all a bunch of people with bellies in our late 20s and 30s running around there pretending like we're something. Um, and some little guy knocked me on my back, and I hurt my back, and that's where this started. But to be even more honest, that's not where the real problem came from. Uh, The real problem came when I was at a church event a couple months later, and for some reason, I decided I was going to climb a tree, and it had a real long trunk with a branch about, you know, nine feet up there, so it's one where you kind of run and kick off the tree and grab the branch. So I ran and kicked up there and got a hold of the branch, and I was just hanging there, and something popped, and I just squealed like a little girl, and uh, it was terrible, and for the next couple days... I just couldn't walk. I just laid at home. I, I truly lost my ability to walk. And as I sat on the couch uh, doing nothing, I thought how I had taken walking for granted. You know, I was only like 25. That's not that old at the time. You shouldn't, you know, lose your ability to walk. But I did. And, uh, and I started to think about other things I had taken for granted in terms of my health and vigor. And it's... It's always kind of that way, isn't it? It takes the loss of something uh, to realize how blessed you are. It really puts things in perspective. When you lose a job and suddenly find yourself underemployed. Uh, When your family of six becomes a family of five. When your bad eyesight keeps you from driving at night. When your mother shuns you for being faithful to Christ. When things like that happen, you begin to take inventory of your entire life. We realize not only how good we once had it, 
but we begin to see how blessed we are in all the other areas of our life right now. This is part of the truth behind the first couple of verses of, of James. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God uses trials and troubles, crosses and losses to perfect us and to conform us to the image of his son. And part of that perfection, part of that growing, is cultivating a thankful and grateful heart. Which brings me back to our text. If you'll look to verse 28. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we've left everything and followed you. And as far as I can tell, Peter was right. He and the other disciples had left it all behind. If you remember early in the Gospels, when Christ called them, they dropped their fishing net. Just right there, they dropped it. They left behind the family business. It's a big deal in that culture where, where the son doesn't take up the father's business. For them to walk out of their family business was, was a big deal. Uh, they retired from tax collecting, and they gave up the comforts of a home, and they did this all to follow Jesus. And that is exactly how it's supposed to work in the kingdom of God. The cost of discipleship is steep. It's so steep. God demands it all. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 14. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You've got to love Jesus. I mean, look at that. Large crowds, huge crowds, crowds that we've rarely even seen. These are the sort of crowds you see when you go to a huge concert. And there's all these people following us, or following him, and, you know, preachers get excited about big crowds. And instead of going all seeker-sensitive, what does Jesus do? He gets radical and blunt. He says that he must come before everyone and everything. Matthew Henry says, the real test of a man is when his love to Christ comes to stand in competition with a love that is lawful, even a love that's his duty. In a sense, it's easy to give up sins for Jesus, to give up lust. Right? Those things destroy us, and none of us want to be ruled by them. So in that sense, it's easy to give those things up. But to give up your father, to give up your mother, to give up a child, that is difficult. And that's the measure of true faith in many cases. And I think Peter and the disciples did, in fact, demonstrate that kind of faith. I really do when you read it. It wasn't perfect, but they did demonstrate it. And I do think there are some tonight, um, even here, that don't have this sort of faith. You only offer part of your life to Christ. But you aren't who I really want to preach to tonight. To you, I simply want to say repent if you're only offering half or a little bit or holding back. I want you to know a day of judgment's coming and you'll have to give account to God for your half-hearted devotion. But that's not who I want to talk to, mainly anyway. No, I want to preach to you who have left it all behind. To those of you that have lost a lot because of your faithfulness to Christ and to his church. And there are a lot of you here tonight. A friend of mine asked if I was nervous about preaching. And naturally, I, I am. But man, 
There's so many friends and so, so much family here. It, it's not that hard. And I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of you have lost a lot for the cause of Christ. And it's a blessing to see women choose the honor of motherhood over the lives of the liberated career woman. And I know, I know all of you had better GPAs than me. And I know most of you had G- better GPAs than most of the men in this room. And I know about your SAT scores and your ACT scores and just how smart you are. And that you had grants and you had scholarships and you had an amazing future in front of you. And you left it behind to follow Christ. It's a blessing to see men that choose to be the protector and provider of a family over a barren life of a bachelor or a player. Do black people still use that word, D-Wayne, player? Is that, I'm, I'm up to date, okay. Or a player. Um, she threw aside video games, a garage band that wasn't going anywhere. You took a second job, in some cases even a third job. You worked late. And when you would get home, you didn't have time for Monday football. Instead, you discipled and disciplined your kids and helped your wife. You got fat and you drove a minivan. I think stretch marks and pot bellies are the true measure of holiness in most of our lives. If you have a six-pack in your 30s, something's probably not right. That's not just justification. A little bit, a little bit. It's a blessing to see families restructure all their finances and change their career paths just so they don't have to move away from our church. And I know many of you live in very modest housing. I know many of you have had to lower yourself at times to take government funding, right? And you could have gone away. You could have gone somewhere else. But you chose to sacrifice to stay here because you rightly put God's church before your career. It's a blessing to see you folks. It's a blessing to see young men mow the grass out here and set up chairs and shelve their pride as they take rebuke from older men. It's a blessing to see you young men, all of you. It's not easy. It gets a little easier because you make a big fool of yourself as you get older. It's a little easier to shelve your pride. It's a blessing to see you. And I've barely scratched the surface here. There's so many sacrifices and loss in this, this congregation tonight. And you're the people I want to preach to. Because I know it's easy to grow weary and well-doing. It's easy to think that you've given up so much. And for a root of resentment and unthankfulness to creep in your heart. So I want you to listen carefully to the next two verses. Look, look at them with me up here. In your Bibles, verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the, in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. And I know you've given up a lot. But has it been a bad deal? Has it been? I mean, God gave you faith to trust him. And out of that faith, you gave up a lot. And look what you got back. Look at the blessings that God has poured out on you. Have you lost your father? 
Look at all the fathers. Look at all the fathers here tonight. My dad loves me. He does. And I love him. But he hasn't been a good father. He hasn't directed me always the right way. But man, I don't only have one father. I just look through this crowd and I see so many of you that have dealt with me when I am difficult and, uh, and have lovingly given, given me counsel. And can't you say amen to that? Amen, right? Have you lost your mother? Look at all the mothers. I think of Eleanor right away. Where's Eleanor? There's a mother. Have you lost your job? We got room at our table. We'll feed you. We'll help you get back on your feet. We have farms and houses for you. My wife lost a daughter. But every little girl in this church is her daughter. Brothers and sisters, God has blessed us. Don't lose perspective. You've given up so little and got so much. Who would trade this for that back there? Who would trade even for a moment? I'd rather live in Nick Schroeder's basement than a big Victorian house in downtown Cincinnati. It's better to eat the crumbs off Nick's table than it is to live there. Here's the amazing thing if you look at this. It's not just this life that we have these blessings. Because it says this present age, right? This is now. This is the now thing. And that's encouraging. But it's also in the life to come. In heaven. And even if we don't get anything in this life, anything at all, we didn't have brothers and sisters and mothers and farms and houses. Even if we didn't get any of that, heaven would still make it worth it. Right? It would still be worth it to have heaven. What do we have if we don't have heaven? Ah, how easy it is to be blind. It, it blew my mind what it took for God to wake me up to see how amazing heaven was. It should be obvious. You remember how Paul described it? He didn't. He couldn't. It would be unlawful. It's like the most amazing place and he can't say anything about it because words cannot express. No sin. You know what? In heaven, there's no sciatic nerve problems. I've done my research. 100% of Christian doctors say no sciatic nerve problems. Um, so I can climb all the trees I want in heaven and it'll be, it'll be okay. Um, No, heaven gives us so much hope. It's such a gift that this isn't all there is. This broken world we look at full of sin, rebellion, disease and death, and pain, suffering, all these things we see. If you read Drudge Report more than once a day, you're going to lose your mind. It's drudgereport.com or you watch CNN. It's just everything's terrible, right? That's not true. God has a remnant. He has his church. And then God's going to, he's going to, clean the slate. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and it's going to be beautiful. And we get to be part of that. God's given that to us. That's God's gift to us. No sin, no tears, joy, happiness. 
believe it or not, unending, exuberant worship, better than even what we heard today. I actually forgot I had to preach at one point. I was listening to the men lead worship, and I was just relaxed. Because I was like, I want to relax. And I was just praising God. And I forgot that I had to get up here. And that's how good it was tonight for me. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I did. And heaven's going to be better. Even better. What an awesome blessing God's given us. Now, there's one thing I want to point out that's easy to overlook. It's out of place. It's not like what Max was saying about in the, the pastoral prayer. Verse 30. You're going to get a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. And in the age to come, eternal life, right? Houses, brothers, yes, amen. Sisters, mothers, houses, everything in heaven. Ah, but there is something we keep skipping over here, right? Along with persecutions. You can't escape that. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, what will they do? They'll suffer persecution, right? Yeah. We're going to be just like our master, Lord willing, as he keeps working in us, changing us, as we keep laying our life down like he he is. We're going to be hated. Some of you are being hated. But look at what you have for putting your life down Look at the gifts you have. So those persecutions are going to come. You are going to have mothers, fathers. You're going to have all that stuff, but not without persecutions. That's it's part of the deal. The world hates godliness. I mean, they want to extinguish it because it convicts them of their sin. They don't want to see it. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. There's one last thing I want to say. Stephen told me to be short, so I'm being very disciplined tonight. Um, you remember how much Job got? Job loses everything. How much did he get at the end of Job? Say it louder. Double, right? We got a better deal than Job. Job got two times. We got a hundred times. Look at the fullness of the gospel being poured out on us. Doesn't that make you want to praise him? Doesn't that fill you with thankfulness, gratefulness? Yeah. Man, we have so much to thank God for. So I know you're losing a lot. Praise God. Because that stuff's temporary. It's fading away. We have eternal things that we live for. And that's what God wants us to worship him for. Because he's given them to us and we don't deserve it. By his gospel, he's given it to us. By his son's blood, he's given it to us. Our life is full of wonderful gifts that we should be thankful for. Praise God. Can we pray? Let's pray. (sighs) Father, we're convicted of our ungratefulness, of the innumerable things we take for granted. But Lord, we thank you that you're faithful to send trials and tribulations and persecutions to wake us up out of our slumber, for us to see all the amazing things you've given to us, namely our Savior and the Spirit that you fill us with, that helps us overcome sin and understand the scriptures and live a righteous life, God. God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for all the mothers and fathers and brethren that we find here that love and care for us when sometimes our family shuns us. God, we 
thank you for the fellowship we're about to have after this time, that it's sweet because it's a taste of the things to come. God, we thank you. Praise be to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.